KMW, I'm Melissa. And I'm Stephanie Carcace, and we are two sisters and the founders of Millennial Women. And your host of Millennial Women Talk, the podcast. We are so grateful you're sharing your time with us today. By tuning into this episode, you are investing in becoming the best version of you, and we are just thrilled to be on this journey together. In today's episode of Millennial Women Talk, we welcome Lisette Calvedo. Lisette is a Latina digital entrepreneur living in New York City as an influencer marketing consultant to Fortune 500 brands, social media content creator, and business coach for influencers and personal brands looking to master social media from a more human lens. Lisette is also the founder of Influence with Impact, a consultancy that supports influencers and personal brands in turning their social presence into a balanced business with community impact. She supports her clients through one-on-one coaching, workshops, and also a signature four-month group coaching mastermind. Everyone, here's our conversation with Lisette Calveiro. So Lisette, we are so excited to talk with you today. You are just like killing the social media game, honestly. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. You know what I love so much about you as a creator and also as a coach, right? Is that it's very clear that you've truly turned social media into a business and you also help others do the same thing. Um, I want to know, like, when was that point when we were all just using social media, right? As like for fun, like for fun. <laughs> showing like always our food. Do you remember that with the weird yes. filters? But when was that moment for you on social media when you were like, Hey, this could actually be a business. That's really interesting because I remember in college. So I was in college around 2011, 2012, someone had said, you should be charging for all this advice you're giving about social media. Because at the time, the only thing we had was Facebook. And I was one of the people on campus who was helping all of our organizations do stuff on Facebook, do stuff on Instagram. And I remember a friend said, you should probably charge for the advice you're giving. And I said, that's crazy. No one would ever pay me for social media advice. (laughs) Forgot about it. And then many, many years later, there was actually a moment. And one part of my story is that I started working the PR field in 2012. I was kind of the nine to five doing this work as the brand and doing it for brands on the side, I was doing it for myself. I was also a blogger and it came to a point where I realized, you know, two worlds collided. One side, I was paying bloggers. I was paying creators. And I said, whoa, 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 why am I not being paid? And then I turned things around on my personal channels so that I could start earning an income by working with brands, which eventually translated into realizing what's the common thread with all of this. Brands are making me do their social strategy. I have a social strategy. We're all doing the same thing for different purposes, how can I combine it and create resources for people who want to use social media for business? I love that. Right. And it's so interesting. It's like, you only know what you know, and you, you only start learning once you get into like, whatever is the field. And you think like, Hey, that's maybe not, might not be for me. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, I can be making money here. (laughs) Like (laughs) hold the brakes. I would love to know too. It's so interesting because people like you make content look really easy. Right. And I think a lot of people can get that illusion. That's like, Oh, it's easy. You pick up your phone and instant, right? Like what are the challenges that you personally face when creating content and being an overall creator? Yeah. And that is such a misconception. I think that's one of the reasons why even the word influencer gets a bad rap because it's Instagram. So you see the end result. You don't see all the work that goes in ahead of time. And something I like to say is what you're seeing is the moment, but you're not seeing the years, the years of building community, the years of 
getting experience creating content. I would say by now I kind of have my flow going. So to your point, it looks like I'm churning out content 24 seven, but I truly am only spending about two to four hours a week period, making content, wow. scheduling content, planning content. And the real key there is what we like to call batching. So doing as many tasks of the same kind at a time. So something that I teach a lot of people is you first start with a strategy, right? You can't just sit there and say, what am I posting today? I think that's where people get right. stuck because you get overwhelmed with a lot of ideas or you have no ideas because it's a bad day for you. So it's best to actually strategize your content in advance. Right. So it starts with really understanding who your ideal follower is and then just brainstorm a ton of ideas that would actually reach that person, help that person and provide value. I think having a bank of ideas is going to save you because then step two, actually batching and producing the work you're not sitting there coming up with ideas. You're just sitting there almost with like a checklist and you're picking, you're like, I want to make this one today. I want to make this one today. And you do as much as you can within that batch period of time. Like I said, I yeah. do two to four hours a week at most. And then from there, that. yeah, from there, you just schedule it all. And to the outside eye, it may look like things are super easy. You just hit that publish button, but it's a lot of planning in advance, but you've made your planning more efficient. So you're not spending too much time doing a lot of work. Yes. I love that. And creating content is artistic in a way. And, you know, I've personally struggled with social media, like that love hate relationship. And then now I really found a beauty to it because it's a total creative outlet for me. And it's so funny because the other day my mom told me, well, she said it like in a lunch setting with many different people. And she was like, you would think you're like a multimillionaire with how much you post on Instagram. And I'm like, mom, but that's part of the job, right? There's still so many people that don't understand how posting, how social media in general is a part of a strategy for a business. And so I kind of want you to talk more about social media as a business and also like the work it entails, like of course posting, but like, what is all that? What is social media as a business and what is the work that it actually entails? Yeah, great question. I actually just did a post about this because it's such a frequently asked, I wouldn't even say question, but topic of conversation. People right. saying, well, do you get paid every time you post? No, that's not how it works. Every time <laughs> right. you post, you're essentially building, continuing to build that personal brand that you are online. And you're mm -hmm. also nurturing, nurturing the community that you're building. So with every post, it's really the work that goes into the eventual sale, closing the deal, whatever it is for you as a digital right. business owner. And uh, from a high level, it's kind of a three-step process, right? So first you really have to start with setting up those foundations and clarifying who you are as a personal brand. That's what I think a lot of people miss. They just slap on a category. They're like, I yep. fashion blog. I'm like what, what does that mean? What do you, for who, what are you right. doing? So you really have to clarify who you are as a personal brand so that you can continue building it through content. Then two, developing that content plan. Again, the reason why brands hire, you know, agencies like the ones I used to work for and pay thousands of dollars a month is because they had a plan for how they would show up on social media. It's virtually impossible yeah. for you to build a sustainable business without having a content plan. Um, and it doesn't have to be that complicated. It can just be, these are the four types of topics I like to talk about. Can I create ideas about them, et cetera? But you have to have a plan. And then kind of the last piece of it is again, that nurturing of the community that you're building. And what's interesting is that 
This happens offline and online. So if you're someone who is a content creator and right now your main revenue stream is working with brands, for example, the online work you're doing is continuing to build that portfolio and to show how awesome your content is, to show how engaged your community is. But the offline work is asking brand people to go out for coffee, is introducing yourself to new brands and potential clients. So there's a lot of online and offline work that happens in that nurture phase. But again, every post that you do, it's working toward that. It's working toward building a stronger community. I love love that. that. That's That's actually really great. Well, this is why people hire you, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I just, I love practicality and I love like that logical aspect. And so, you know, when you're sharing the, what you do online and then offline, you know, it really showcases, you know, how much work really puts into it in detail. And, you know, something came into my mind because there's so many up and comers, right, still in the, in this space. And I feel like this is going to keep going because I feel like this is the new media. Okay. (laughs) I feel like TV film, it's still there, but you know, social people are consuming content, you know, on these platforms. So for a newbie, let's just say that they don't have an audience yet that they're they're trying to figure out like, who am I speaking to? What's kind of the work that they should be doing to say or develop their ideal follower and start to create content so that they can get to that end goal of, you know, of, of raising awareness and the things that they want to raise awareness around. Yeah, this is a fun piece of advice I like to give because I think it's a little bit surprising, but I really want people to make up their ideal follower, sit down, answer okay. 30 questions about this person's lifestyle. And I want Mm -hmm. you to really figure out who do I want to talk to? And that's actually a personal business decision because what people I think don't do well on the flip side, if they're just dictating, what do my analytics say? They get boxed in. They're like, I'm reaching millennial women. I'm like, but what millennial women? What is their lifestyle like? Are they entrepreneurs? Are they not? Are they mothers? Like all these things. I want you to really make up a persona for who you want to reach. And I think a lot of people at first get scared. They're like, wait, I don't want to box myself into this imaginary person. But what's interesting is that I can guarantee you that person actually does exist. I love that. There are so many people going through whatever you are describing that you want to reach and speak to. And what's even more beautiful is that let's say you come up with this very specific person. So we have, you know, Lisette, who is not a mom. She's a dog mom, has no time in her life, right? (laughs) The content that you're making If you're giving me a beauty routine, you're going to make a beauty routine that doesn't take me time because I don't have time. So even if there's someone in your community who doesn't have a dog, you know, isn't like this exact person you describe, they can probably still relate to the fact that they have no time. So it's the characteristics behind the persona you're making up that really exist and help you connect with people. So definitely have fun with it and make it. Yeah. That's so oh, helpful. You hit it on the nails. The characteristics. Yes. Because a lot of people get stuck in sort of, am I beauty? Am I lifestyle? Am I fitness? Right. right. And then it's become so generic where you, it's hard to create the content. I have encountered friends yeah. that have definitely had that challenge. So I love that you just hit something really awesome characteristics. Yes. And it's also like we hear this all the time, you know, even with our personal yeah. students, when we get to who is your ideal listener for your podcast? It's always like, well, it's, it could be this, it could be that. And I don't want to box myself in. And if I say I'm just catering to this person, then I limit myself. And it's so not true. Like niche, like how important is niche? Was yeah. that? Yeah. And the niche is the word people love and hate because I think <laughs> a niche in, in its marketing reality, right? So a niche is, you know, this like target specific community you're working around. A niche is important because you want to make sure 
that you don't make yourself feel like you're for everyone. Cause when you're for everyone, you're for no one. Right. Um, right. But the trouble with niche when you're a personal brand is that you tend to box yourself into a category instead of mm-hmm. actually pulling out, you know, what are my dimensions? What are my, what is my expertise? What am I passionate about? What is the type of content that's missing for my ideal follower? All those elements are actually really important in the type of niche you're making. So I would say a niche is more like a space that you play in versus Mm -hmm. this one specific category. So that's where a lot of people just get really boxed in. I love that. I feel like I'm in class with you and you're like training us. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Another thing I wanted to bring up, you know, because we come from an entertainment background and Mel is an actress, I'm a singer, and we lived in Hollywood and did that whole thing. And we really adapted this like starving artist mentality, right? And I kind of have seen that same mentality in all artistic or creative spaces, right? So like content creators that, you know, spend hours and days and years creating content without monetizing, right? Because either they don't see the value in their creation or society sometimes doesn't feel like art or anything artistic is worth a penny, right? You know, like it's interesting, this mentality. So I want to talk to you a little bit about monetizing because doing what you love, I always say this, doing what you love is fantastic, but making money doing what you love is the ultimate goal, right? So talk to us a little bit about monetizing on social media. Well, as a Latina and daughter of immigrants, I can relate to the starving artist conversation because I think that is actually a limiting belief a lot of us have. It's the idea that if I do work that I love, I can't possibly be paid for it. And I think it involves a lot of first, you have to do the mindset work and reframe the fact that you can and you will make money doing the things you love if it's all in alignment, right? I actually had my partner Justin said something yesterday. He said, why is it that people ask, what do you do for a living? And they talk about their career. I don't work for a living. I live. And the work that I do pays my bills. So I think we kind of have to figure out like this content creation space, the work that I'm building, how is it enhancing my life? And then what are the elements, a part of it, that are going to help me continue to, you know, sustain the lifestyle that I'm living? So with that in mind, that's kind of the reframing work. I always recommend people do at first. But then you also have to then, as you're thinking about monetization, figure out, all right, well, you have your ideal follower, the community you're building. Are those your clients or are your clients someone else? And I think there's a distinction there. A lot of the people that I work with are influencers or people of influence. So oftentimes their followers are not their clients. They're not actually selling something into their following yet. Interesting. So you, you're thinking, all right, so I'm actually building this community, but my mm-hmm. client is the people who need access to that community. So if I've built a community of, let's say you actually literally are an artist and you create an amazing social profile, you went viral, got millions of followers now, and you're thinking, all right, how can I monetize the work that I'm doing? Well, who are your clients? Are Your clients are probably the people who right now need access to all those art enthusiasts who are following you. Because you may not want to right now say, I'm doing an online class to teach you how to be an artist. Why not go reach out to, you know, again, distinguish who's the client. My client can be those brands that need access to those people. I can do sponsored content. I can become an affiliate for them and make passive income. There's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. you can do with them. But when you make that distinguish this that distinction of who your client is and who your community is, it will definitely help you create a smart monetization plan. 
I love that. That's actually really, really smart, right? Because I feel like, you know, some creators, especially when they do, let's say, courses that they want to add that into or sell merch, um, the community that they build, how would they properly, do they sell to even that community or are they on the hunt for other clients or, or customers? Talk to me a little bit about the difference between building the community on your social, right? And selling them outside like sponsored stuff versus like you have a course, you have a merch line or you have stuff like that. How do you sell to to your community or do you not sell to them at all? What are your thoughts on that? I think there is a time and place for both. And what I mean by time and place is you nurturing a community. You are what I like to say, and I know a lot of marketers use this, you're building know, like, and trust. So that know, like, and trust phase, it's really taking someone from just knowing who you are and identifying every time you pop up in their feed, they're like, oh, I recognize this person. They like you because now they relate to you and they trust you because you've become their trusted source of entertainment, of education, of inspiration, whatever that value is. So you have to then ask yourself, all right, the people who are in this trust phase, those are the only people who are really going to buy, quote, anything that I sell to them, whether it's merch, whether it's an online course. So then you ask yourself, what have I built trust around? Did I build trust around entertainment? Then by you building an online course, it's probably not the smartest strategy. But if you want to do merch because people are just like so into everything you're doing, they want to represent this fun, you know, entertainment lifestyle that you've created, then yeah, merch is actually a great idea. Or maybe doing a Patreon where people can pay a membership for exclusive entertainment content. So it's again, identifying my community is everyone, but the clients are the people who I've built trust with. What Mm -hmm. did I build trust around? then I can figure out what do I want to sell to them. And I think this is very important for a lot of influencers to realize because something that I'm personally seeing because I'm in this space, there's a lot of influencers and content creators who have been doing something well, you know, for a year or so. And then they're like, I'm doing an online course on how to be an influencer. And then it doesn't sell. And I'm like, it doesn't sell because people don't trust you for that. They trust you for the lifestyle. They trust you because they love the clothes you're you're showing or wearing. They trust you because your skincare routine is on point. So it's really just figuring out what do they trust you on and then create a smart strategy to converting those people into clients. Mm, That's so interesting. That is so good. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about you have influencing with impact, correct? Like, talk to us about that because we're all about your message, you know, like influencing, but what is your purpose? Where, what, what are people going to trust you on? What, where's the value? So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. And the name of my company actually came from the idea that I was almost at this like crossroads where I wanted to break up with the word influencer. And I was even thinking (laughs) of being loud about it, you know, like, let's just use another word. And then I realized, okay, actually we define what influencer means. And I think it's just gotten a bad rep and it's all of our faults. It's the fault of creators like myself who have just done a lot of things without any intention. It really was my thinking there. And then I thought, so let's bring the intention back into influencer. Let's redefine what it means. It's not showing cool stuff to buy and doing a hashtag ad. It's actually inspiring people to take some action and it's inspiring people to, you know, find more value in their day-to-day life, what value that is, it's different. Like you're alluding to, I think when I say value, a lot of people think I have to teach them something, I have to do a how-to. Right. Like, no, no, right. value is perceived and value is only determined by the person on the receiving end. So value for them could be entertainment value. If you're someone who is goofy and silly, 
that person may be happier because of you. If your education value, great. You are a resource. You're a guide for them. There's also empowerment and inspiration value. You And I heard this actually yesterday from a friend who said, you know, this creator, his name is Christian Blake. I love his content because it just makes me a happier person. I, mm, I get I his tutorials that. and I don't even save them because I'm going to do all the tutorials. I'm just inspired to be a better person. And I was like, that's value, you know, and yeah. it doesn't always have to be the how to's people perceive value differently. So when I say influence with impact, it's really influence and think about the intention so that you can impact people. Mm. I love that. And I'm a strong believer in you should be getting an ROI for content because you're investing your time, which is super valuable. And you should be either getting information or, you know, something to inspire you, make you feel good. But after consuming that content, it's not feeling good. That creator did not do a good job. Like you should always be gaining something in return when you're investing time into their content. So I love that you said that because it's true. A lot of people just think like value should be like, oh, I'm I'm educating. Right. You know, what are the steps? And they feel that pressure. Yes. Like to be the experts, right? And that, that you can only create from that place. And so we come across so much content that's like lecturing. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> like everybody's just lecturing you and lecturing you. And so it's just interesting, you know, that you pointed that out, that value doesn't have to be in an expert teaching kind of context. Value is like what what comes most authentic to you and showcase that. And that's going to resonate to somebody. And so I love that you I pointed feel that, that out. I even with your content, I don't necessarily feel like your lecture or anything. Like how do you achieve that? What's your intention behind your account? Yeah, I actually start with the idea that the person I am online is exactly who I am offline. And it's such a basic thing we all forget because we all, you know, by nature of social media, we think everything has to be curated and perfect. So that's where you kind of right. step into Aesthetics. this- Yeah, the The aesthetic, aesthetic. guilty. you step into like lecture mode. (laughs) And I'm like, no, no, how would I actually explain this concept, right? So I am someone who likes to provide education value and also inspiration value. But when I'm providing education value, I don't think, how do I do the the three things? I'm saying, how would I explain this to a friend? I put my bestie hat on, as I like to say. And I say, how would Mm. I tell my friend about this concept? And I talk about it that way. So I think when people hear it, they get the message, they get the education, but they're also, you know, building likeness with me because I sound like a normal person. <laughs> so it's it's really that balance. And then I think there are tools in social media are kind of ways for you to use social media to your advantage to show the side of you that again, is the offline side of you that has nothing to do with, you know, providing curated, perfect plan content for Instagram. I use Instagram stories a lot for that. If you go into my Instagram stories, I do daily dances. I'm goofy. I share things that are making me laugh because that is what I would be doing offline as well with my friends. If you follow me on TikTok, there's times that I may do a random video because I know the feed doesn't have to be perfect on TikTok. So I use that to my advantage and I do the silly stuff. But again, am I a source of education, inspiration for people? Yes. But I also want to remind them that I'm a human being and this is the kind of human being I am offline. I love love that. that. And that intention of like bestie hat and like then creating from that place, right? Because it is always like a mind frame. Everything, everything in life is like, what, what are you, what are your thoughts going into everything? Well, everything has an intention, Yeah. right? I mean, everything should, or at least should have an intention. It shouldn't just be like, pick up the phone or just post like people think 
we do on social. <laughs> yeah. There was a period where That's I got true. a lot of influencer clients who would say, um, what do you think of my page? Should I do more of those filler posts? And I was like, what? Because there was a trend, a quote in quotations, of you just posting really fun aesthetic photos as right. fillers to make your feed look more beautiful. And I said, think about it. How many times do you actually go to your favorite influencer's profile and go to their feed? You don't. You just get their content so in your news feed. So why yes. would you do an aesthetic forward post when that's not how people are even consuming your work? And the, yeah, and the people who are going to your feed are new followers. They're going to go do that 30 second scope out. What are they going to do? They're going to randomly pick a few posts that look really nice. If your filler right. post has no value, nothing in it, they're going to walk away. So you want yeah. to make sure that you're setting your profile up for the best first impression, whether that means it's a new follower going to your feed or someone catching your posts in their feed. So the filler posts never get likes. <laughs> like, yeah, let's just be do. real. They always fail. <laughs> they never get the likes. Like the but, random chair or the random sky. Like, yeah, it's a beautiful photo, <laughs> but they never get likes. Yeah. But now, you know, when I'm hearing you say that, for so for instance, like the followers might not, but if you're an influencer that's working with brands, they're definitely going to go to your page, right? And so as, how important is feed in that case mm -hmm. into a brand? Yeah, the only thing that's important and also for context, I still provide consulting services. So I am the brand still to this day doing a lot of this work. We look at your bio and that is the first thing that needs to be optimized. So the bio is what we can use to tell the brand itself, right? Because I get hired out like agency and a lot of PR agencies do this work of finding influencers. They translate to the brand hey, Lisette is so-and-so and so-and-so. And if your bio doesn't clearly tell us what exactly you do, again, not just categories, because lifestyle doesn't mean anything, but if right. you are someone who's in fashion, right? Let's say we're considering two creators and someone says lifestyle, fashion, and travel. And the other one says using fashion to inspire confidence in women. We are 100%, not just picking the other person, but we are paying them the good bucks because they have a defined essence and a defined personal brand. So we do that. The second thing I would say we sometimes do is we'll quickly glance and skim through content just to kind of get an idea of the type of content you create. And what I mean is every campaign is different. So if you are looking, if we are hiring you to do photography, we're going to make sure that you can actually take photos. So we're just going to do that quick skim. If our campaign is requiring video, which a lot of campaigns now are, they require reels, they require video, then we want to take a look. Are they actually making reels? Are they actually making right. video? Is it a fit? So the content, it's not so much for the overall aesthetic. It's for us to be able to see, do they fit the type of creator we're looking for right now? And then to the so, last thing is engagement, engagement. So we definitely look at engagement, not just engagement rate, but brands will always click through a few posts, read the comments, see, are people just leaving filler comments? Are they performing right. in engagement <laughs> groups where people are just leaving random comments? Or are these genuine people who are interested in what the person's doing? So bio, type of content, and the engagement we look at. I so love good. that. So it's about quality. It's about having your niche, right? Who are you? Who's your audience? Who do you create content for? The quality of the content and then yeah. your engagement. You know, engagement is such a big topic, right? Is there some sort of percentage, right? I've, I, I remember years ago, I heard you had to be like a one percent or higher or something weird like that. Is there a percentage that you have to achieve? How do you calculate engagement? Like, is there like a measuring, I don't know, a standard or something in your opinion? 
there actually is and I do have a video on it for the visual people listening oh, but mm-hmm. later.com so we can add it in the show notes <laughs> oh yes 100% will so later.com they actually are a scheduling platform that I always recommend to people and for FOHR which is an influencer marketing platform they put out a study on engagement rates on average reach which is actually a really good study that I will send you so you can actually add in the show notes to help people understand am I meeting the benchmarks for my audience size and what I think will surprise a lot of people is it's a lot lower than you think so for example two percent is a pretty good average for micro influencers which is less than a hundred thousand followers And the smaller you get, the higher the percentage expectation is because what social media has proven is that when you have a smaller community, they're more engaged because it's likely they're fresh. It's a fresh audience that's engaging with you. As you grow, you start to lose people. You, you know, there's a lot of, they start following more people. You don't really get as much engagement. So 2% is kind of a nice little benchmark, but if you're someone who has less than that, don't be afraid because you may fit into some other averages. So, yeah. you're, so the it's under one hundred thousand. So, is it between ten thousand and one hundred thousand? That's a two percent. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. That's good. That's really interesting. Oh, How go about- ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, because I I love I love this because I feel like influencers. I don't know what year it was that Instagram exploded, but I feel like it was like this super cool nice little app and then now it feels definitely like a bit oversaturated it feels like facebook it feels like a network it's entertainment at this point truly but also all the ads right so now we're it's like it's a clutter of a lot of things and there's so many people that i personally follow that i never see their posts so i already know it must be happening to us too so what are your thoughts on kind of this big change that has happened on instagram and you know how discouraging that could be to to people that have social media as a business. Yeah, I can't even begin to tell you how many times a day I hear something's happening with my reach or this post flopped. The algorithm. Or, the algorithm. <laughs> algorithm. And people are so bent up about the numbers. And yes. I I want to honor the fact that yeah, it does produce a lot of anxiety. Even myself yeah. as this like I've evolved my relationship with social media, but if there's a day you know that. I think yesterday it happened. My reel barely got like a thousand plays. And I was like, I get like a hundred thousand plays. What? So I started looking through and I started researching and I realized, okay, I want to remind people don't get hung up on the numbers, but there's also moments where if something's alarming, go check it out, go see is Mm. something is, are other people talking about this? What's going on? So I would say when you start feeling that numbers anxiety, if there's something that you feel like is wrong, look into it actually Instagram and Facebook have a lot more public information than people know you can always go to their help center they have a ton of articles for example with this reels problem I went and I read an article from Facebook that said that a lot of those metrics are quote in development meaning they're not 100% accurate so why am I getting hung up on numbers that aren't even accurate yet (laughs) so that helped me yeah so number one I always go do some research because I'm like that makes me feel better if I can find an answer right But second, I wouldn't focus on one day, right? So one post that didn't do well, one post that didn't reach people, look at patterns over time. So in that example, if I had noticed my next five reels barely got any views, all right, it's time to go file a report. It's time to go figure out what's going on. So look at patterns over time to not get hung up. But then finally, as much as you can continue, don't let that stop you 
from creating, from posting, mm. because what has happened then to me, while these are very tactical things I do, research, report issues, I also have now developed almost like a muscle for not really caring about the numbers. And Good. when you don't yeah. care about the numbers, your content actually gets better because you don't feel yeah. like you're performing for some sort of metric, you right. know, for the Instagram applause, you just keep going. There's going to be posts if they flop, quote, you know, if they don't reach people, post it again in two weeks. If people didn't see it, why not post it again? So really getting into this habit of realizing that you can't control the numbers that happen on social media. It's not a reflection of you. It's an algorithm. It's a platform that we cannot solve. So just keep going and you'll see that your content does get better. I love that. You mentioned repurposing. Um, yeah, repurposing. A lot of people think that it's like a constant, always like, oh my God, I got I to gotta create. But maybe you created something a month ago that you can post tomorrow and it's still relevant and you spend a lot of time on it. So why not repurpose it? What are you thinking? Does your audience actually know when you repurpose or not? <laughs> They definitely do not know. And if they did, they do not care. And I will say a challenge that I always care. Just do it. They don't care. And so, I mean, think about yourself as a consumer. You are consuming social media all day, every day, even if it's just, you know, 10 minutes a day, you don't remember what someone posted two weeks ago. And you you may remember if it was super valuable, you saved it. It's like ingrained in your brain. And when you see it again, you're excited. You're like, oh my God, yeah, so glad this is here again you know you're not really thinking I can't believe that person repurposed that content this is not outfit repeating (laughs) yeah no one is thinking that and actually I challenge a lot of the people that I work with the fellows of my cohort and my clients to repurpose their content so when they put out one piece of content I ask them what does that look like as a video what does that look like as a blog post what does that look Mm. like as a tweet I want people to get in the habit of not having to, you know, recreate the wheel. I want you to repurpose the idea in different formats. And for anyone listening, I'm not saying go copy paste, do everything like three weeks in a row. I just know there's probably 20 different ways to give that same message. I don't know how many times my community knows that I have been in the space for nine plus years. I make a post about my career history pretty much every few weeks, but I'm pretty sure every time I make it, there's a group of people who are like, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that she was in the space for that long. So right, you have to followers. Exactly. So they don't know. Yeah. Or you're just or reminding the, people. Yeah. yeah. You remind them or the people who didn't see your post because maybe that day they weren't on social media or they just didn't see it. So don't be afraid of repurposing and know that people do not think about this on the receiving end. Well, you know what just came to my mind? Because literally Friends is my favorite show of all time. And, you know, they always play it on all channels. I've seen every episode. And think about it. That's repurposing content from like the 90s and the 2000s. I'm still watching it. I'm still feeling like it doesn't really feel like it's brand new. Like I haven't seen it, but I will pick up on new things. I still will laugh. I still know which lines they're going to say next. And it doesn't bother me. So I'm like, why are we not? Like I was thinking about even us. Like, why do we get so wrapped up with like we already posted this i know when they do it It in media all the time (laughs) you know what i'm saying and we think that somebody is going to see it and be like oh my god she's repurposing this she already she already posted this like nobody's talking about us guys (laughs) i would say the only thing they could actually say because i know i've said this before is oh i thought i liked this already let me give it another like (laughs) so in fact they're excited you know right i I love love that. that What is your message to like 
anybody that's listening right now or seeing us, you know, as a content creator, like what is, what is the message that you really want content creators to know? I really want you to always think about the person on the other side of the phone screen, desktop, tablet, whatever you're working on, because I think that's what we've lost in social media is the humanity of it all. It's yeah, the fact absolutely. that if my, if I'm spending 30 minutes figuring out what color to make this graphic, remember that the person on the other side had no idea you had three options of a color palette. So just put one out. And it's really just remembering in the moments, all right, I'm planning my content right now. What does the person on the other side need right now to feel seen or heard? Whatever topic I'm talking about, what could I say right now to connect with another person? And if you think constantly of another person, and now I'm not saying do things for other people. It's a mutual space, right? You want to almost right. create dialogue with the other people. You want to understand their boundaries. You want to understand their needs so that you can be a great host. Think about your social space as your dinner party. And you want to make people feel comfortable. You want to serve them up great food, great conversation, and have them go home <laughs> with a nice little memory. So you can only do that by thinking about the people you're inviting into your dinner party and understanding how can I make them feel good tonight. I love that. I That's love really that. Awesome. I really you provided so much value. I feel like it was like a masterclass. Yeah, we were talking with our BFF about life. Like it was just a really good conversation. I loved it. <laughs> and teaching with my bestie hat on always. I love always. it. And you, love that. That's truly who you are. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Lisette. This was so much fun. We have to do this in IRL one day soon. Yes. Next time in Miami, we got to do something. Yes. <laughs> Please. Oh, you're the best. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. If you want to learn more about Lisette and her courses, visit influencewithimpact.co. Subscribe and leave us a review on all of your favorite platforms. This helps us continue to bring you great conversations just like this to you every single week. And text us to the number below for subscriber-only freebies and perks to help you become the best version of yourself. We encourage you to continue on with this social media conversation. Keep being the strong, amazing woman that you are and never forget to live inspired. Until next time, MW. Always love Melissa and Stephanie Carcace.